0: verdict brought to you by Sputnik Africa this is your host Victor Anakin and you're listening to Afro verdict a place for African youth experts and prominent figures to give their outlook on issues on the continent and around the globe I'm joined by David Okpatuma the board chair of the Development and Cooperation for Africa Initiative which is a leadership and development organization that creates strategic partnerships linkages and networks between Africa and the world. Today we are discussing Devca's activities, the problems that Africa is facing and Russia's experience that African countries can use to find solutions. David, welcome to Afro Verdict. Please give our listeners a brief introduction. Hi, my name is David Okatsuma. I'm
1: an international and social development expert with focus and forte in youth diplomacy, sustainable developments, and global partnerships. I chair the board for the Development and Cooperation for Africa initiative, which is a leadership and development organization with a primary focus on young people and community initiatives that allow communities to develop with their own resources and requisite um, partnerships and involvement from external um, parties to ensure that we're able to bring development that is sustainable, that is people-driven, people-centered and community-owned because we believe that's one of the many ways that sustainability can be achieved and can stay sustainable. So basically what we try to do is meet today's needs without undermining their prospects and tendencies for future generations to also meet theirs. And um, we've been working with young people, we've been working with women, girls, we've been working around education, health, agriculture, climate actions, and of course, global
0: partnerships. And how does the Development and Cooperation for Africa Initiative promote African interests? Firstly, by being run by Africans
1: who cut across different and various walks of life and who are in their own rights well-equipped and prepared for the strategic leadership and the strategic role Africa as a continent has to play in the margin world and in line with the African Union's Agenda 2063, which is to birth the Africa we want. So DEFCA Initiative, which is short for the organization, is primarily and um, strategically situated to be a bridge that connects Africa to the world and attracts the world to africa now not in the light of what we've seen or experienced before now but with a new redirection and a new um, vision of mutual friendships mutual growth mutual partnerships so what we do is sieve through the the plethora of interests from the world and from companies and organizations around the world and prospective partners, we sift through to find interests that align with the general and overall interests, also and vision of the African people and communities, and to see how each of these interests help us grow mutually, not on any exploitative basis, right? So what we do is just to connect
0: intentions, not just projects this time around, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. And what has this initiative achieved thus far? Thus far, we've been able
1: to connect businesses. We've been able to connect even non-profit organizations. We've been able to spearhead a few uh, relevant community-driven projects. We've been able to um, bolster and boost the Agricultural sectors within some communities with our community farm projects, which we were able to implement, especially during the pandemic. We've also been able to actively participate across global events, both economic and humanitarian events, and also connect relevant key players within specific industries in development and the countries across Africa. We're able to connect them to some of these events, to meet prospective partners, to meet prospective stakeholders who are going to play key roles in uh, joint development. We've been able to support policy coherence. We've been able to strengthen bilateral relations. We've also been able to support educational prospects for Africans who are seeking our international education and we are still doing that and look forward to still doing that.
0: I know that you've been to Russia on many occasions, right? Participating in numerous conferences and forums and etc. What ideas or know-hows and technology, in your opinion, can African countries use to solve problems back on the continent?
1: One of the major things I, I think we need to first put out there is that Africa just like Russia, has a very good endowment of natural resources. And we have seen Russia as a country that has been able to develop its resources and its technologies to a place of self-sustainability. And if there's anything Africa needs to also imbibe, is the nature of, or is the habit of sustainability. We have not just sustainability, but we need to also learn how to develop our resources and not just rely on external um development strengths for us to consume what we are naturally <laughs> blessed with. Right. So one thing we can always learn from Russia or one thing we can actually partner with Russia to um, insist on is to see how Russia can help in setting up facilities and um, tools and instruments that help us, that bolsters our production capacities in and within Africa. That way, we do not always have to rely on external sources to develop what we already have. And another key thing is in the aspect of nuclear power. I mean, we are in the era of massive talks and uh, renewable energy And of course, with the prowess of Russia when it comes to nuclear technologies and nuclear powers, Africa that has much more sunlight than even Russia, considering we do not have winters, for example. So we have a lot, a lot, we have abundance of sunlight. I think it's high time for we to also explore renewable energy sources and um, nuclear power to ensure that we have more sustainable power production within Africa, and which can in turn also boost our production capacities and capabilities, which will give rise to industry and even more innovation, of, and of course, technological advancements. Because we also, yes, yeah, so, so basically, there is you no know, majorly. We should be able to focus on that. And also, of course, since Russia is also big on agriculture, which also Africa is, I'm sure we can share notes or two as regards how to develop sustainable Africa, um, agriculture across um, Africa also with the technologies that Russia, I mean, Russia has um, advanced Agricultural methods and mechanisms that I'm sure if Africa could learn or decide to um, invest in or collaborate with Russia on, we would be able to raise our agricultural portfolios as a continent to a standard that makes it even easier for us to contribute to the global quarter for food production that helps everyone
0: live above the hunger level that is currently being experienced in the world. Yeah, speaking of which, what other problems are African countries facing at the moment?
1: Well, African countries have, I mean, the continents basically have had problems from pre-colonial times. Of course, colonization came and we saw the attempt to reconfigure the African people to reconfigure the continent. And of course, we still fault a lot of those methods and mechanisms still today, but not to um, still stay dwelt on the past. We also see African people or the African continent suffering from neocolonialism, of course. So it wasn't just what used to be. We've just seen regalias being changed into something else, but we are still experiencing the same thing that was back in the days. Most people will even argue that currently African, the African people and continent have what is referred to as the flag independence. So I mean, in theory, we are sovereign people, but in practice, that is not it. So Africa needs to, as one of the problems it's facing, find its own identity and find its own place and role in today's world, not just as it contributes to global development, but as it begins to insist on its own regional development. We need to insist on the development of individual communities and states than just Contributing to global development at our own detriment. The leadership, I mean, the African people are one of the most resilient people globally. They are very, very true-spirited. They are very strong. They are very empowered. They are very driven.
0: For those of you that have just tuned in, this is your host Victor Anakin and you're listening to Afro Verdict from Sputnik Africa. With me, I have David Okpatuma, who explains the unique problems Africa has and how it can look to Russia's experience for solutions.
1: I thing we do as Africa that still serves as a major problem for us is that we tend to throw or pitch our tent too far in the future. So we are having plans for Africa that involves development, that involves the Africa we want, but we are setting it as a target in 2063. So what happens to 2030? What happens to 2025? What plans do we have? So we put the targets and goalposts so far ahead that some of the people who are even are uh, currently at the helm of affairs will not be there to be held accountable for their actions or lack of it when the date as earmarked comes. And what do we do in the interim? What do we do in the meantime to ensure that we actually achieve these things? So it's a clarion call for we as a continent to also decide to look within and at least try to implement some of these things. One achievable target at a time. So we do not just make it sound so beautiful in theory, but do not have requisite actions to back up some of the plans we are making. Another problem we face in Africa today is there is so much incursion. Everybody from everywhere wants a piece of the African cake. Everybody wants that. And we as Africa do not even know what we want from Africa for ourselves. All we are thinking about is how the world is going to come and fund some of the projects we want to fund within Africa or how we as Africans can tap into global resources. But we do not have a continental plan for the world. So what is Africa's blueprint for the world, for expanding into global markets, for expanding, for for spreading our own cultural expansions, for example? How can we communicate African cultures globally? How can we communicate African modernization or African technologies or African industries to the world also?
0: And how does the African youth contribute to solving these problems? And more specifically, how does the DEFCA initiative facilitate that? All right, thank you.
1: One thing I would say with all pride is that the narratives we see today that are making positive strides globally from the continent are predominantly run by the young people, by youth. And you'd see the African youth with their resilience, with their heightened sense of cultural pride and heritage, have a way of carving a niche for themselves wherever they find themselves globally. Now we've seen African startups, we've seen African tech startup, we've seen African young led or youth led African businesses come up to create local or domesticated solutions that have a way of permeating global markets and finding a bearing, a sustainable bearing. It's happened countless times and it is still happening. So now what we are trying to do as DEFCA now is to break the, the, the barriers of bureaucracy that has always been a system that is controlled by a few. I mean, we are trying to make development a people-driven thing. We are trying to make developments, we are trying to make collaborations on the basis of people-to-people diplomacy, people-to-people interaction, people-to-people networking. We, we are trying to demystify the concepts of progress. We are trying to demystify the concepts of de- de- development. We are trying to ensure that we give people the access and information that they need to function and thrive effectively so we need to break the barriers the communication barriers we need to break the systemic barriers that hamper and hinder some of the collaborative strides for progression and we need to also understand that we need to, um, as a continent we believe so much in the spirit of unity and mutual strides mutual understanding mutual try mutual support communalism is one thing that um, we need to bring back to the market the, the african market space to ensure that developments are communal developments and efforts are communal and so is the
0: support for such look from what i can recall the first time that you and I met was at the second Russia-Africa parliamentary conference, I think somewhere in March. And I was there in that conference room when you when you made your speech, where you said, quote, we can take the role as frontrunners in a new multipolar world that works for everybody, close quote. Yes. What kind of multipolar world did you envision? And do you still envision that today? The vision hasn't changed for me. And that is... A world where everybody counts, where
1: everybody is relevant, where everybody is respected. A world that doesn't have a social stratification of that, that seeks to divide people or that seeks to classify people according to their economic prowess or individual strengths and capabilities. What's one that creates the uniqueness and individuality that everyone has and supports everyone adequately and equitably to be able to thrive on their own, to thrive effectively, and to ensure that systems are put in place for holistic development, a development that touches every aspect of human life and to ensure that, of course, just like if I'm to borrow the mantra of the United Nations Sustainable
0: Development Goals, leave no one behind, basically. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Returning to your experience in Russia, uh, from your participation in all of these economic forums, would you say that African countries could find it beneficial to improve trade and economic relations with Russia, and why? If you want to be sustainable, if you want to
1: develop yourself, if you want to grow in strength, if you want to, whatever you want to do, for example, right? The idea is for you to find someone that has done or has been successful in that which you want to do, and go to them, ask questions, seek help, seek collaboration, and support if need be. That has always been the proper model for how things should be done. So why did I bring that up? One country that, of course, historically didn't take part in the colonial expeditions was Russia. So if we now as a people want to collaborate effectively, it's only common sense for us to go or prioritize first an institution or a people or a country that didn't take part in our exploitation at first, but yet still has all we have and has developed it enough for us to learn from them. And they will become, I mean, our first line of contact or friendship. Because We have oil, they have oil, one of the largest producers globally, gas, agriculture, whatever we want to develop. Basically, Russia has already developed, and yet Russia didn't colonize. So of course, why not? That's the most reasonable thing to think of, first line of action. Like I said, how I like to approach these kind of things is to approach it as though you're relating with individuals with people from your day-to-day lives and that's basically how this is so we we i i believe through all my interactions through all my experiences and participations over the years it's been more obvious now than ever that with the newness with the with the new realities we are going to experience with the world Um, In the coming days, in the coming months, in the coming years, we need to understand that for the new kind of friendship we want, we have to seek people that in their bid to be friends with us,
0: we check your track records, we check your history. By all means, because you have to know who you're dealing with. From your experience in the country and engaging with multiple actors across the world, would you say that it's important to develop intergovernmental relations only, or is improving the relations between African and, say, for example, Russian societies also significant? Societies over
1: everything. I mean, society is the bedrock of even governments. So I think it's very important for each and every one of us to understand that we need to connect, uh, connect and collaborate with societies, both in Russia and Africa, because we need to advance cultures. We need to share cultural experiences. We have a lot of cultural pride, even from the times of um, Annibal the, the great-grandfather of Alexandra Pushkin. Yeah, I mean, who, yeah, he was African. So we've already seen that historically we have such relevant relationships, our culture, our arts, our literature. And even today, when it comes to the way we revere the elderly, the way we... Uh, hold cultural pride at Apogee. We see Russia and Africa have very, very similar historical pride, historical heritage. I mean, the focus should be more on societies because if people can first connect as friends, then we understand that they can connect as partners and they can connect as governments, they can connect as...
0: But how would you say Russia and African societies are faring in that area at the moment?
1: Well, um, now we are seeing the interests of Russia and even Africa to see that they create and grow new friendships. Because before now, it's the friendship between both um, regions and uh, hasn't always been great because Africa is populated by a different kind of media, of course. We cannot have um, Russia and Africa share so much history that most Africans know little or nothing about. I was in the Hermitage and I was told there was about over three million historical artifacts in one museum. The preservation of culture, the preservation of history is amazing. But then again, you go to Africa and some of our most revered arts are not even in Africa anymore. They have been taken to various museums all over the world. And if now we are having the history of Russia and Africa, which was very relevant to both regions, which can be relevant in newer friendships. And there's no record of it as much in Africa. The only time I got to even know about such at some point was last year when I was at the State Museum in Moscow during an African exhibition. And then I got to see some <laughs> um, uh, land, um, some amazing historical sharing, like in some shared history between Russia and Africa. So, we, yeah, we need to see how to also, t- um, of course, create narratives that are able to favor the the true history, shared history between Russia and uh, Africa, because before now the the idea of Russia in Africa wasn't all that encouraging or interesting or even inviting enough for a lot of people to want to explore the Russian routes, as regards education, as regards tourism, as regards um, a lot of things. But now, of course, we see the the interest to open newer Russian houses in Africa, and which is also very good. And we also see the educational quarter for Russia from African countries to increasing. So we can see more Africans coming to Russia for um, education, and that can kind of, that has also improved how people are able to perceive Russia, Russian education, Russian culture, Russian tourism, and the Russian people um, generally. And that is quite a good paradigm shift from where we
0: were and what it used to be before now. And tell me, on a personal note, would you advise by any chance the African youth to come to Russia and explore it and see how it is for themselves? absolutely absolutely you wouldn't understand a place until you
1: experience what it has to offer right so i would always i would always recommend the travel i would always recommend the experiences here in russia just like how a nigerian author chimamanda ngozi Adichie said there's always a danger in single stories Right. So until every side of the story is being examined and experienced, we 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 tend to have errors in our judgments or in our assumptions and inferences. So I employ I implore everyone to come experience Russia for themselves. The culture is amazing, the language is very difficult, but of course it's always good to give yourself a good challenge and ensure that um you push yourself to a limit, to an exciting limit, because it's also very exciting to try to navigate um, as, re- as, as regards the language. The people are very, very hospitable. I was in um, Ruski Island, I was in Vladivostok, I was in Chibok I-, I was in a lot of very unlikely places um, for for Africans to be. And, yeah. So, yeah, and some of them, You'd be amazed. They've never seen an African before. Mm, <laughs> They've was. never seen an a- Yes. And they celebrate you like you're one very <laughs> divine being descended to their lands. And, of course, it's a good feeling. It's a good yeah. feeling because now we understand how it used to be when we were way younger and we see a white person in Africa. It was exciting. We always want to take pictures and all. And now you're here and you're having the same kind of experience. So it's always, it's always, always good. And also there's, there's so much to experience. There's so much to experience. And I really, really wish that more people will take the bold leap and try to push for such experiences.
0: David, thank you for joining us and providing our listeners with insights about the shared history Russia and the African continent have had, and thus, why not cooperate with a country that didn't engage in colonial expansion? I also completely support your call on the African youth to come visit Russia and explore the rich culture, history, and people who will happily interact with you, by the way. And uh, I'll personally... Give my listeners a tour if they like. So feel free to contact me and let me know what you think. I've got great news for you because now you can also listen to our podcast on Castbox, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Pocket Casts, and AfriPods. Don't forget to check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel to get the latest updates. You might as well leave a couple of comments there as well. And that's that, you were listening to Afro Verdict with your host Victor Anakin. On that note, I wish you all a wonderful day and until next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.